we're live. Welcome to the List Podcast, episode zero. Uh, I'm your host, Chris. This is my co-host, Josh. And uh, wait, where's where's Kid Concrete? I thought he was supposed to be here. Uh, he had excuses. He has excuses for everything. I'm not even convinced he showed up to his own graduation in high school. Who cares? We don't need him. Yeah, I don't think we need him at this time. It's still kind of standoffish for him to not show up, but, you know, we don't need him. We're going to talk some wrestling, and uh, maybe he'll join us at some point down the road. He doesn't know wrestling anyways. He has one mask, and now he thinks he's uh, wrestling uh, bejesus. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll get things started with just uh, just Josh and myself. So I'll give some background here. We're just two longtime friends who love wrestling, and we're isolated and bored right now. Uh, we've, we've seen a lot of matches together, uh, but there's a ton of matches we haven't seen, especially like important classic matches in some cases. So we started this podcast uh, partly in, uh, in order to show each other matches that maybe some of us have seen that others haven't. We started it to, to educate each other. Uh, so we're going to do a lot of watching uh, some old matches, but uh, we're also going to discuss some current events, and we're going to be uh, making some lists. I've been known for being obsessed with lists since high school, and Josh used to make fun of me for it. So that'll be a regular part of the podcast, huh? Yes, it will. He made a list over everything. There could be like, you could walk into the bathroom after having a bad night of drinking, and the first thing Chris would say is, Top three times you threw up in my toilet. It's <laughs> bad timing all the time, but the reality is every time he brought up a list, we were in, I was 100% ready to go, and we did it. And now we thought, what better way to uh, you know, enjoy ourselves as much as we can during this quarantine? We're all stuck inside anyways. We're all watching wrestling anyways. We all love wrestling anyways. We talk about it anyways. We live chat the whole time. Uh, you know, We Skype watch it. We figured, why not record this? Record some of our discussions and see if it's something people want to watch. Uh, hopefully it works out. If not, we're still going to watch it. We're still going to make all the same jokes, all the same discussions. We're still going to do all this exactly the same. The difference is, you know, maybe it can entertain somebody else who's stuck at home. If one person finds this and uh, and finds some enjoyment in it, then, then it's uh, successful on our part because we would have been doing this shit anyways. We have a long list of uh, matches to go through. Yeah, I mean, Chris and I, we grew up uh, in the 90s, so uh, 90s, early 2000s, uh, so, you know, a lot of uh, Attitude Era, a lot of Attitude Era is what got us hooked. Um, myself, I actually played a little bit in independent local wrestling in Canada in Halifax. I do some of that now. I wasn't very good. I didn't go very far, but I did get to see some of the inner workings of, you know, how wrestlers talk to each other, how, how, how they communicate, how, how, you know, they, how they act outside the ring. Um, you know, I wouldn't call myself a wrestler, but uh, I definitely have a passion for it, and I really enjoy it. And I know, uh, you know, coming into the newer generation, the PG era, you know, what's going on now, uh, AEW firing up, uh, we've always been ready to discuss it and super excited. Chris and I have gone to a couple of live events ourselves, uh, both bigger and smaller. And, and honestly, uh, I can't wait to bring my kids. Uh, some of the best times in my life has been going to uh, wrestling with Chris and just letting loose dressing up, acting like fools, and uh, knowing everybody in that room at that time is there for the same reason. And you may not know each other, but your family. And uh, and hopefully we can do that here. Yeah, that's well said. I always found, like, you know, generally people you meet and 
like day to day. Generally, you don't meet a lot of wrestling fans, but then you go to a house show in a small city and there's like 2,000 people and they're all like thinking the same things you are. So it's, it, house shows were always a, a fun time. I agree with everything you said. Awesome. So how are we going to do this, Chris? Like, uh, are we just going to talk? Oh, like, I figured we will try to break things down, have a few different segments, and try to make ourselves seem like a legitimate podcast. Um, we can start things off by just discussing current events, stuff that's happened the last few weeks in AEW, WWE, New Japan, um, and the other independents, if there's any notable news in, in Ring of Honor, TNA, anything like that. Um, the other thing I'd like to make a regular segment is the list. I, I just want to be able to spring on like top three wrestlers, top five finishers on you guys at any time. You guys know I love my list, so I want to make that a regular part of the show, especially if we're naming it the list. We have to make that some sort of segment. I'm gonna make a list. Top three shows called the list of all time. Go. <laughs> this one. Uh, second is the show that's gonna sue us for copyright, for copyright infringement if we start their name. <laughs> And third is Chris Jericho's failed podcast before he started Talk is Jericho. Wait, Chris Jericho had a list podcast? No, I'm just joking. Oh, fuck, he got me. <laughs> I was like, no way. There's no way we're knowingly ripping that off. No, Jericho's been on the podcast game for quite a while. Uh, he's been he's been going for quite some time. He's at yeah, a, I've he's heard of him. a good one. <laughs> Definitely killed some plane rides listening to that. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's awesome. And then I just actually, I just watched the uh, Hot Hot Ones episode with him again because uh, yeah, it was fucking great. I love him good, on there. It's a good watch. Yeah. <laughs> love, we all love Jericho. So I guess getting into it, uh, I don't know any news, so I hope to God you do because uh, I try really hard not to read or listen or educate myself in any way. So uh, Fair enough. find out what's going on in the world of wrestling. Yeah, so I mean, it's less notable than usual in the fact that um you know new japan has not been having any live shows for the last couple of months obviously the the covid19 shit's been going on uh, and hit them a little bit before it hit us so they haven't had any shows whatsoever and it's not like you know their main shows are all that they have they don't really have like a weekly show like raw or, or dynamite so this, no stories progress while these shows aren't going on, whereas Raw and Dynamite are kind of like continually going. So I feel like the it's a bit of a different vibe right now with wrestling. You get no stuff in Japan, and then you get these empty arena shows on Raw and Dynamite. And I still like them, and I've gotten used to them a bit now. But well, especially Dynamite, they've been crushing the empty arenas. It's awesome. Yeah, I like what they've been doing with the crowds. Um, it, they're yelling just enough that it sounds like there's a bit of a crowd there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, most of the yelling is done by either the heels being playing the heel crowd or the faces playing the face crowd. So they're, they're booing the people that the, the company wants you to boo. They're, they're cheering the people the company wants you to cheer. And the best part is they're actually pretty good at it. It seems natural when I'm watching, uh, you know, it, it's funny. It's, it's hilarious. And they know what level to take it to where they still don't touch, you know, they, they won't uh, reach out and touch the wrestlers because they're supposed to be the crowd. But it's fun. It, it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy it. And, um, you know, AEW for me is uh, right now they're making the most of a bad situation and uh, WWE is doing their best. But uh, I, I think AEW is actually like, uh, you know, they're, they're the standard right now. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think like they've clearly been working at like a reduced roster too, because I think the last like four shows or so were probably all taped in the same like one or two nights. Because it's like it's Cody, Sean Spears, Lance Archer, like a few local talent that's been jobbing, uh, best friends, and like a few others. But they've been able to build the show mostly around that group of guys uh, for a little, for a month or so. So I, I I like how they had this big match planned with like the elite versus. Uh, the inner circle and it was going to be like a big blood and guts war game style uh, pay-per-view but it was going to be on dynamite it wasn't going to be a pay-per-view it was just going to be that kind of style uh, event and they just pushed that back because they're like this wouldn't be right for an empty arena they said so they're they're biding their time and they're making compelling television and good matches with what they have but at the same time they're delaying the major storylines which i think is probably the right decision but they're they're filling the time with pretty creative like vignettes too like the matt hardy jericho shit was really funny oh i mean what what about what jericho's doing with the uh the bubbly bunch that's like that's gold yeah. that's awesome yeah like two <laughs> two of the squares are just like his dogs <laughs> hilarious man I, I like the first one i saw i think was the uh uh they were doing some stupid shit uh Oh, they were doing a dance or something, and like when it started, it was like, oh, oh, good, it's that fucking, uh, you know, music, and everyone pretends to dance. Now it's going to be viral, and uh, it's just a bunch of people shaking, like the Harlem Shake. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's shit again, and I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm out, I'm out. I don't want to do this. But then when I started watching, I was like, oh, they got like some celebrities, like some some outside of wrestling celebrities are involved. It was actually really funny, and uh, I found I found myself uh, judging myself heavily for enjoying it. Uh, like uh, I was standing behind myself, going like, "Stop being a pussy! You're not supposed to watch this. Turn it off. Watch somebody kill somebody. That's it." <laughs> yeah, I agree. So it's been quite entertaining, and I think I don't I don't think Raw's been bad per se, but I haven't felt like I've had as much of a need to catch up with it every single week because it's like one it's it's three hours i find like two two hour shows a bit easier to digest and uh i don't know yeah it's it, like we said it's just some, something about what aew is doing it's just a, a bit more compelling at the moment they have the tournament going on um whereas it feels like wwe's more so just like biding time like wwe's wrestling has been good on week to week basics basis they've had some good re rematches from wrestlemania um so the the wrestling I've seen I enjoyed. It's just not necessarily enough to keep me hooked in for a three hour show with no crowd, right? Yeah. Well, it's true, and I mean, like, so last week we were all watching Dynamite together, and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dustin Rhodes, he's he's having his match with uh, with Lance Archer. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we 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 discussed it beforehand. You know, as well. Is he going to go over Lance Archer? Is he going to go in the final? Is it going to be brother versus brother? Is that how he wants to retire? Is he going to retire? Right. Or is it going to be a squash? Is Lance Archer going to walk through this guy? And now we've set up an incredible match for Cody versus Lance. I mean, uh, we, we're, I mean uh, we're not sure what happens with Dustin beyond here. I mean, I'm making the assumption that he's going to retire. Now he's going to retire after putting Lance Archer over. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but, I mean, he got beat bloody. He, he was looking bad at the end of that match. Cody was out there with a the towel. Um, it was a big event, and I care. I give a shit now. I, I, I can't wait for the next match. I can't wait to see Cody versus Lance. I want to see what happens, and I'm invested. And, and that was all thanks to Dustin and Lance. I thought that was done incredibly well, and it's a prime example of why week after week I'm interested in watching AEW, regardless of who may or may not be sitting in the crowd. That, was, that match was good. I mean, it wasn't a spectacular technical match. No. Uh, 
it felt a little bit long at times, I felt, um, but I cared. And as Dustin got beat down more and more, I was like, holy shit, uh, how do you come back from this? So I'm interested to see where they go from it. Now, I don't know, maybe you know, uh, maybe you've heard, maybe it's out there in the news and everybody else to me is tracking, but I think, uh, I think Dustin's going to retire after this. What about you? I feel like if he was going to retire, he would say, I, f- I feel like I don't, I don't think he would retire on an empty arena match. I feel like he would want, he, I think like he deserves a bit of a send off. Maybe they could have that send off aside from a match. So I, I feel like he has a bit left in the tank, like Mark Henry would say. Got a lot left in the tank. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think he's retiring quite yet. I don't think he is going to go too much longer, but I think he's going to wait to have his last match in front of a crowd. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see. I think, like, yeah, in that first round, he said, I'm going to retire if I don't win this. So he won that. I, I don't think losing to Archer is going to be his last match. Uh, I don't think he's going to retire anytime super soon. I think he's going to wait for this all to blow over before he, he does that. I'm, I'm hoping to see him go now. I mean, he got his ass beat. He got absolutely demolished. Um, you know, he looked good doing it, but... Uh, he got bloodied. He got battered. He has no business being in the ring with those elite guys anymore. And if you can't be at that upper echelon and compete for the title, why do why, why do it at all? I mean, uh, he looks good. Go out, go out, putting Lance on top, go out, be proud that, you know, you went out in blood all over your face. I mean, if I was a lifelong wrestler and I was going to go out my last match, one, I'd want to put a, a guy over and uh, like a new guy who's not completely over uh, and then I would want to go out in a blaze of glory, bloody me up, hit me with some shit, send me home packing. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think regardless of whether he, he does retire soon, I think that was a, a he did a good job putting Lance over. I think like, you know, Lance had two or three matches in AEW before that, but they were all just like squash matches. He yeah. fought like Marco Stunt and just destroyed him and, and shit like that. So it was good to see him destroy somebody but not have it be a squash match like actually have there was a bit of back and forth but overall like lance still just fucking inflicted a ton of damage on dustin and it probably made people who haven't been familiar with lance's work in new japan that like okay this guy's a legit threat and win the title i don't know like who what do you think regarding the finals cody versus lance like i honestly think either one would be a fine choice for the first it could, it could go either way, but my question is, like, uh, you know, Cody can't compete for the title. Oh, this is for the new Dynamite t- or the new TNT title. Yeah, not, not the world title, not the right. main title, but... Uh, so Cody is eligible for that. He can still fight for that, so... All right. Well, yeah, then, then honestly, in that case, I have no idea. I think it could go either way. I want to say Cody's going to win. Uh, yeah. You know, he just watched his brother get the shit kicked out of him. Um, if it were my brother, you, you would have to kill me to stop me after that, so... I think uh, I think Cody's going to bring everything he has, and I think it'll be enough. I think he'll get past Lance, but I don't think it'll be easy. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm, I'm leaning more towards Cody just because I didn't necessarily even think Cody was going to put MJF over. Like I thought he was going to get him over as a heel, mm-hmm. but I think Cody might still win that match. But the fact that MJF beat Cody, I would be pretty surprised if then he lost his next major feud too. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm kind of going a bit back and forth, but I'm leaning a bit more towards Cody on this side on this one, because they established the with Jake the Snake kind of cutting that promo on Cody early on. They planted the seeds a bit early of him getting under Cody's skin, and it kind of culminated with him Lance kicking the shit out of Dustin. So they have 
Archer with uh, Jake the Snake as his manager. Sure. If that lasts, that's gonna. I think that's a really good pairing. Uh, but I, I, I still lean in a bit more towards uh, Cody being the first champ here. Now, the only reason I think that might not be the case is that um, we have Moxley with the main title now, and he's a face. So maybe they want to start a heel champion for the mid-card title rather than have a face with both. So maybe I'm looking too much into it here, but I think they might want to give a heel the title first. That's the only kind of reason I think Archer might have a, a decent shot as well. Along with the oh, fact now, Cody wins and turns heel. You get both best of both worlds. Cody <laughs> turns on Dustin last minute, beats the shit out of him too, wins the title, and now you have a, a, a title-holding heel as well as keep between Dustin Cody and maybe that's when Dustin. Can you imagine? I don't know if the I don't know if the, I like the I like the idea, but like I don't know if they'll do it yet. But clearly, at, at some point, they're going to turn Cody heel, and he's going to have like a crazy heel run, and it's going to be awesome. I, I think feel like they've already started pushing him towards being a heel. I mean, that last uh, the last match on Dynamite, and he was doing dirty shit. He has some heel tendencies. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so. I, I think they're already pushing towards it. And it might be the beer talking. I'm going to keep drinking the beer. And I might be a little loopy, but I think I think we're going to see a heel turn really soon for Cody. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the strap around his waist when it happens. I like it. I like the hot take. I I, I, I like the predictions. I think uh, that's that's the kind of stuff I want to start hearing on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> then I'll cut it out because I am not trying to make you fucking happy. You're not my fuck. It's <laughs> the next segment. Let's move on. This is bullshit. All right, move on. Oh, still current events, but not AEW. I think we've talked enough about AEW. I want to talk a little bit about Money in the Bank. I don't really know if I have like a strong prediction either way. Um, there's still one spot open. I don't know who they're going to give that to. Um, I feel oh, like Hogan. <laughs> Hogan going away. to Hulk, baby. He's coming back. He's going to go over, and he's going to win the title and retire with it. So they there's won't no... have one. I feel like if any 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 pay per view you bet on Hogan going over, it can't be too much of a long shot. It's always fifty fifty. It could be WrestleMania three hundred and thirty six. It's still fifty fifty. Yeah, <laughs> immortal. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I don't know. Looking at the contestants, I like I like Otis just winning it on a complete underdog shot, um, and I like I like Alistair Black too. I don't know if he'd be the best guy to for Money in the Bank per se. But I do like him as a potential future feud with Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea too. But I, I feel the same. I I, uh, I don't know if I want to see him win Money in the Bank because to me, Money in the Bank is supposed to be uh, well, not supposed to be, but generally, Money in the Bank is for that guy you wouldn't think would make it to the title picture. Alistair Black has been pushed as if he's going to be in the title picture eventually since he made his debut on the main show. So. Um, I, I personally would like to see someone that you wouldn't expect it. Now, Otis is perfect because, I mean, he's a tag team guy. It's all we've ever seen him do. He's yeah. hilarious. And he's actually a pretty good damn wrestler for a guy his size. So I would love to see him win it and then get himself in title contention outside of the uh, the, the tag team arena. But, I mean, uh, there's other guys in there, too, like Rey Mysterio. You're not going to see him go for a straight title shot anymore. He's not going to be in the running. However, you could make it make sense if somehow he wins the money in the bank competition. Then all of a sudden now... A guy who's, you know, should probably or is getting close to being retired. Now he's back at the top of his game again. I mean, he's always at the top of his game. He's Rey Mysterio. He's not at, uh, yeah. he's one of the best of all time. But Mortal. we don't expect to see him, you know, in the heavyweight title contention anymore. However, a win at Money in the Bank would make it make sense. 
Yeah, that's actually a good pick. I could see. I I, I want Otis to kind of be the the podcast official pick because uh, <laughs> it's too easy to root for. But the, the, here's here's what I'm thinking: the TBD spot. Um, Jeff Hardy's making his return this week to SmackDown. Maybe he en- enters the match. Maybe he gets a final singles push. That could be a good one. I, this is like something I've I've heard rumblings of on the internet, so it's not just my own basis. I think they they do want maybe want to give him a little bit of a push as a singles guy now that Matt's in AEW especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see him being the last entrance in the match. I could maybe see him being a winner if he is in there, but again, maybe a bit of a long shot because he is he's had issues. He is a bit old now. So, he is. However, he's a legend in the game, and a lot of people like seeing him. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, him and Ray, similar situation. They could give him like the late career kind of uh, mm-hmm. curtain call title shot or t- title run, I should say. So, for sure. Uh, yeah. No, that would be. Uh, I like it. With that, <laughs> I like it. I like the idea. I don't have any other ideas of who uh, who might be in the unknown spot. Um, I'm a bit out of the loop with the uh, current WWE shows because I haven't watched the last couple episodes, so I'm a little off. I mean, uh, neither has Vince. What happens? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're making it up week to week at this point. There'll, there'll be some uh, sort of qualifier on Raw or SmackDown this week. We'll figure out the last entrant. Uh, you weren't invited to WrestleMania, but you showed up anyways. <laughs> and won the title. <laughs> okay, so Drew, Drew is champ. He's... Um, been pretty entertaining on Raw each week. I just want to know, like, who do you... It looks like he's feuding with Seth next. Uh, who mm-hmm. who would you like to see him feud with after that? Oh, uh, Drew. Uh, I'd like to see... Honestly, man, he's such a good, good fucking... Uh, good character. Because, I, you know what? I like him as a heel. I like him as a face. I think he's got the build that Vince McMahon drools over. I think uh, he's for a bigger dude, he's a great wrestler. Uh and I think he's one of those guys that could carry, that could carry guys. Uh, honestly, a lot of people aren't going to like this, but I'd really, really like to see him go up against Taker. Even if they have to do some of the bullshit they did with AJ Styles, I think Drew has enough skills to be able to carry Taker. He's big yeah. dude versus big do it again. And maybe an opportunity for Taker to, to pass the torch and call it quits while he's still looking good. You yeah. know, I don't want to see Taker look bad. I want to see him look back. Yeah, I, I think Drew would be a good choice. Uh, and, and who knows, right? Like the next live event they're able to have might be SummerSlam. It might even be later than that. So I think it's a good, yeah, it's a good idea to have some yeah. kind of big name feud like that. I, I could see them maybe doing Baker. Uh, I'd be okay with them dragging out to WrestleMania next year, honestly. Uh, yeah. I want to see Taker go on top. I like Drew. I want to see Drew do well. And uh, for me, it would be an amazing, uh, it would be amazing passing of the torch. Uh, for Taker to have Drew go over and Taker call that his final match, and and I mean I can't uh, I can't state it enough. I mean, uh, you know, The Undertaker is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I met I met him when I was younger, didn't even know it was him, but I met him, and uh, my dad had to tell me afterwards that it was it was fucking The Undertaker because uh, he was at a character for a minute. You know, I caught him off guard, and he was very friendly to me. Fucking giant dude. I mean, I'm six two. I wasn't at the time. But he, I mean, I was still a tall kid, and he made me look like a midget. But the thing is, uh, you know, I, I want to see him go out good. I want to see him look good. AJ Styles made him look awesome. I mean, Taker looks awesome on his own. I know he can carry his own match, but the reality is, uh, you know, he needs someone that can dance with him. And I think Drew can, and uh, I just want to see him done justice. 
Yeah, I, I think Drew could do that for sure. And I think this, the style of the match that they did at WrestleMania and also the fact that they had AJ with them was, was pretty perfect. I don't think you could ask much more of a better partner than AJ. But, but Drew yeah. is pretty much up there too. And, and you know, he's yeah. a big guy as well. So I think... I think it's a good idea, and I think it could uh, it could go about as well as the AJ match did, which you know I think most people thought you know that was an extremely entertaining match. Um, and speaking of AJ, I think seeing him now that uh, Gallows and Anderson are released now, so they they were part of that huge like twenty person release WWE did a while back. So I think that also probably opens the door for AJ to challenge for the main title at some point. I'd like to love to see AJ and Drew. Oh, that'd be good. Uh, AJ's right. raw, so he wouldn't have to switch shows or anything. I think that would I think they gotta do that at some point. That would be a really good match potentially. Oh, that would be a good match. I would love to see that as well. I'd like to see how AJ as technical and as uh, as great as he is, how he overcomes Drew's size and strength. Yeah. For sure, that could be uh, really good. Uh, something they could do this year. Um, other than that, uh, well, we got the women's money in the bank. We can touch on that briefly, and then maybe go into our list segment after that. Um, that that match has all been decided in terms of the participants. Uh, we got Oscar, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, uh, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Carmella, who has won. The women's money in the bank before um so i don't know too much of the build behind this i mean it they've only had so much time to build up i just i, I love oscar a lot i think she especially as a heel would probably be my pick to win this um becky's had the title for over a year now she's had a good title reign but it feels like no one's really been built up enough to take her down with credibility. So I feel like if Asuka, who's booked pretty strong lately anyway, especially as a heel, wins money in the bank, I could see her taking the title off Becky if she wins. So she's my pick. Yeah, I got to go with, uh, I think I got to go with Lacey Evans. I mean, she came in as a heel. She was brought in as a sassy Southern Belle. She was yeah. booed relentlessly, ex-Marine. Uh, you know, she she earned the cheers on her own. She wasn't pushed as a face, but now she's one of the, uh, you know, the top women faces. She's coming in. She's big. She's strong. You know, like I said, ex-soldier. What uh, what more could you want? I love Lacey Evans. I don't like Shannon Baszler. I think Asuka's great. I think she's amazing. But I want to see Lacey go the whole way, and I think she could take it to Becky. Yeah, I think she's a pretty strong pick, too. Um, I think she's looking pretty good as a face so far she reminds me of liberty bell from from glow the, the <laughs> show. uh but i think she she works as a face because i think of like you said her, her background i think she's at at first i i was like how are they going to make her likable but a, after a while i was like no it's working she works as a face did it on her own man she's great yeah for sure so i, I think i think that's a pretty good pick i, I like i i wouldn't I'm kind of in the same boat with Baszler. Uh, you know, she was super strong in NXT. I don't, can't really see them giving her money in the bank. Uh, I think Lacey or Oscar are probably the, the top two choices there. Only way to find anything can happen on WWE. Oh yes, I mean, what happened last year with Money in the Bank? Brock entered the match, and we didn't know that he was even in it, and he won. <laughs> You know what? This last year of Brock has been refreshing because I was a massive shit talker of him. But you know what? When he wants to, he is amazing. 
when uh, you the, the rumble the rumble was pretty awesome i mean like we were texting back and forth basically complaining God, dude, turned half match halfway well, through the match we turned <laughs> yeah once Brock had a few cool eliminations, and then it was obvious like they did all that in order to build up to how amazing Drew eliminating him was. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. He built, he, dude, he sold Drew like crazy. It was awesome. That at the first couple eliminations, like, okay, Brock, Brock is going to squash 30 dudes. That's yeah. all we're paying to watch right now. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was, He squashed a lot of dudes, but he did it good. Like, he did it well. It was. Each person was eliminated a bit different. I mean, the way he played to the crowd, played to the camera in between. Brock was awesome. And yeah. uh, after the Royal Rumble, the last Royal Rumble, I'm a fan of Brock now. And I was not before. I was I was basically holding him up as the next guy that can get the fuck out because I'm sick of seeing him on TV. And I know he's taking all the money from the other wrestlers. But at the same time, he's pretty damn good. It's just yeah. sometimes when, when he's in. when he, when he's when you can tell he's into it, he puts he's really good. Yeah, uh, and the rumble was honestly one of the better rumbles I've seen. It was it was well done. And when he finally got fucking eliminated, man, it was like yeah, you can tell. It's like okay, they're building up to that. So um, I think we've covered all the the recent events here. So I, I want to start a list segment or try to try to make this be semi uh, regular uh, part of the show. So this doesn't have to be your favorite three of all time because I don't want to put you on the spot. But I just want to know three of your favorite matches of all time. Uh, if you need a second, I can go first. But uh, just three three matches that you think are personal favorites, important matches, whatever. Okay. Well, I don't need a sec. I can uh, I can go. This is in no particular order. I have uh, many matches I love, uh, many wrestlers I love, and I don't know that I have uh, a particular absolute favorite i have a few that are up there now uh one that comes to mind right away uh and uh, i can hear the snickers already uh ddp and goldberg um you know goldberg say what you will you know he's not the uh he's not the most technical wrestler however uh ddp was known for rehearsing his matches a lot and a lot of wrestlers do not like rehearsing a lot of uh, you know a lot of times they want to go out there and they want to feel the crowd and they want to uh you know, they want to go where the crowd takes them, where the moves take them. And that's great. It's, I admire that. Um, however, DDP was always, from my understanding and just reading about him, was always very much, he liked to, he was a bit of a perfectionist. He liked to right. uh, reverse matches. He liked to make sure they were going to look good before he went out there. He really cared about what the fans thought. He really cared about putting on just the absolute perfect match he could. And, and as I'm sure uh, everyone's aware, he was much older than most people when he got into wrestling. He was in his late 30s. I think he was 39 years old when he yeah. went from being a manager to a wrestler. That's already pretty old for a wrestler. So, you know, I think to compensate for some of that, to make sure he was still going to be the top guy, he wanted to rehearse everything. I admire him for that. I think that was fantastic. I think the reason why we have highlight reels of different angles of him smashing people with the diamond cutter was, Specifically because of that, he wanted to make sure spots were perfect. He did this with Goldberg. I don't know. I, I'm not sure whether Goldberg liked rehearsing matches or not. I don't know. But I know that they did rehearse this match a bit. And uh, it shows. It shows because it was one of Goldberg's longer matches. It was not a straight squash. There was some times that you thought DDP was going to win. I, I, I remember watching it. I mean, 
uh, you know, when, when I watched it most recently, I was, you know, at this age, but uh, every time I watch it, I, I get excited, even though I know Goldberg's going to win at the end. I get excited because there's a few spots where it's like, ah, he's got a fucking diamond cutter. He yeah. reversed the jackhammer to a diamond cutter. And yeah, I thought of that. And every time done. you watch it, you're still expecting DDP to win. It's over. <laughs> Goldberg did a damn backflip as a reversal. It was, it was, uh, it was cool. It was really cool to watch. So that's definitely up there for me. It's one of the, it's one of the three I'm going to list right now. Uh, yeah. I, I got to go with, uh, you know, Rock Austin. Uh, the first, uh, the first WrestleMania. You know, you know which one it is. Tell me which one I'm thinking of. Uh, with the, you're talking seventeen. Seventeen with the awesome uh, Limp Bizkit workout. We're talking Limp Bizkit my way promo. Yeah. The, the best pre-match promo of all time. That match. An incredible match, but the the work up to the match, the build up for the year before, that 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 was something that we'll never forget. And and we watched just the promo for it, probably more than we watched the match. It's yeah. it's such a good work, and I love it. So that's got to be two. I got to go with that one. And then you know what? I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a little bit of an attitude era. I want to go with um, uh. uh Inferno match, the first, the first Inferno match, Undertaker, and I'm pretty sure it's Kane. I don't want to sound like a complete buffoon, but I'm pretty sure Undertaker, Kane, Inferno match. Yep. Not highly technical, but groundbreaking, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. I think like Kane and Undertaker, that feud is pretty iconic, and I think they, their feud in general, spawned a lot of that, like those kind of creative matches. All the way up to this, you got WrestleMania's like boneyard match. Though so that kind of theme, you know, that you always think of Undertaker and or Kane when you think of a buried alive and Inferno or any of these kind of matches. Yeah. Oh, call. it's a scary match. Which one is it? Undertaker or Kane? <laughs> Both of them. I read an article recently that like when they announced Taker and Styles as a boneyard match, like uh, Vince didn't even know what it was. So there's like the him and Triple H is like, I don't even know what a boneyard match is. And it's like, Triple H is like, well, what do you want it to be? And he's like, just make it good. <laughs> like, oh, sure, sure. He didn't know what a fucking ladder match he was either before they did it. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the list, the list. The list I made, three of my favorite matches of all time. I got um, HBK and Undertaker at Mania 25. So, I mean, I could put 25 or 26 on this list. I feel like I'll probably show you guys, I don't know if we've even seen it before, but I'll probably watch one of those at least for the show, maybe both. But 25 is just, it's two guys who are, they're old enough that you'd think they'd be past their prime, but they're still in their prime. They're in their second prime. Uh, you know, this is still 10 years ago at this point, but 10 years ago, HBK and Taker were still looking really good. And, uh, just the kind of background of the match, the emotion behind the match, just kind of how Sean's introduced from the top. He kind of comes down like an angel in all white, and then Undertaker comes up from the floor in all black. The promo from the match is really good. Uh, the lead-up is really good. I, like I said, between this and WrestleMania 26, I go back and forth all the time. Uh, but I think as a, just a pure wrestling match as a whole, I like 25 a little bit more. So that's the first one on the list there. Uh, the second one I have is The Rock versus Triple H from Backlash 2000. So that one just, it, it's a bit overbooked in the sense that you got like 
Shane as the guest ref, and you got uh, Vince. What is it? Vince in Triple H's corner, and uh, Linda in uh, the Rock's corner, or some, something like that. So, like, you got everything working against the Rock, where the ref's against him, he's outnumbered, uh, all this shit. Uh, so that's the match you get uh, where you get a cool spot where The Rock is about to put Triple H through the table with a rock bottom. Shane tries to interrupt, so he grabs Shane too and puts them both through the table with a rock bottom. I always loved that spot. And then, of course, you get Austin coming back with the fucking one of the hugest pops ever, and he just hits everyone with the <laughs> chair except The Rock. So you, it's just that little moment where, you know, not so long ago, he was hitting The Rock in order to have Mankind win the title. So the fact that he comes down, hits everyone but The Rock, it was just a, a real good moment to have Stone Cold return in. And uh, just, you want, you just love to see Rock win the title at, off of Triple H because he just kept getting screwed. He was chasing the title for a while and they just like kept adding new rules and they kept like screwing him over and The Rock kept losing. So to have finally Stone Cold return and The Rock win the title after all that was just the culmination of like, a bunch of frustration being a rock fan and having him not win the title for a while and then just like boom so that was the perfect time uh, to beat triple h and i will always remember that match very fondly it's not like the best wrestling match ever it's it's a quite good one but just the the timing of everything the the shenanigans outside of the ring i think it's all done really well uh and third um uh, this one's been talked about a million times but brett and stone cold from wrestlemania 13 right uh, who's brett brett um the guy brett? Who's, you know the guy who screwed brett oh brett clark yes brett the hitman clark yes yes i know of him canadian i think <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> like like the color pink oh you mean that guy who's like one of the greatest of all time yeah yes. i got him yes exactly and uh canadian legend from our home country so uh, there's not much to be said about this match that's already been said. We've watched through it recently. It completely holds up. You can watch Austin's commentary on it, and it's really good. You can watch Brett and Austin talk about it on Austin's podcast, and they'll probably go into way more detail than we ever could. Uh, but the whole thing is just everything down from to like the, the facial expressions to the slow double turn where Brett gets more and more desperate as the match goes on and Stone Cold becomes more and more resilient and the fans kind of start... They're, you can tell by the start they're ready to cheer for Stone Cold, but they're not fully there yet. But by the end, you know, when you get uh, Brett holding on with the hold for too long and, and uh, Ken Shamrock fucking suplexing him onto his side, which was amazing. Um, everything from just the the way the match was laid out beforehand and the way the double turn is done and the amount of attention to detail that goes into it, especially when you hear them do the commentary on the match, is just super impressive. And you can watch the, the match. It's probably 25 minutes and it'll fly by like it goes by in five minutes. So The old double turn. You know what? If I could go back and change my list, you, you might have sold me. But I'm not doing it because I'm a stubborn That's asshole. Fine. It's three of your favorite matches, not your top three, because I don't I don't want to make everyone narrow things down to three, uh, you know, and say these are better than everything else. That's why it's just three of your favorite matches. It's okay. From now on, week to week, every time we do this, I'm just gonna use like my three matches will just be your three matches from last episode. That's all I'm doing. That'll save you some work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. I'm late. Hell yeah. 
So should we get into an actual match? Yeah, you know what? Uh, let's do it. I, I have some... Uh, so let's do WrestleMania 10, legendary WrestleMania, and let's do... Uh, let's do uh, Brett versus Owen. Yes, let's do that, please. Now, uh, before we get into this, uh, legendary. So just preemptively, WrestleMania 10 had happened March 20th, 1994, and it was at Madison Square Garden. So leading up to this, in the Royal Rumble prior... Brett and Lex eliminate, or Bret Hart and Lex Luger eliminated each other at the same time to uh, basically what uh, the, the president at the time had called a double, like uh, a double elimination, and they both won. That means at WrestleMania, technically, they both have a shot at the title, and that will come into play later. We'll talk about that maybe after. Um, and it also marks the first WrestleMania without Hulk Hogan, and this will be the last WrestleMania that you'll ever see Macho Man Randy Savage. In fact, it's the last time you'll see Macho Man Randy Savage wrestling for the WWE on, on, uh, on TV. Uh, the storyline between the Hart brothers began at Survivor Series in 1993, and they were competing on the same side in the elimination match. Essentially, Owen was fighting in the ring. Brett had sustained an injury uh, and was staggering along the ring apron. Owen accidentally ran into him, causing uh, or, uh, Owen ran into Brett, causing him to lose his focus, and then he got eliminated from the match. So after the match, Owen returned to the ring and had a confrontation with Brett. And that would kind of kick things off to uh, bring them to where they're at now, where, where two brothers, two of the closest brothers are fighting at WrestleMania. Uh, one of the biggest, like, you know, one of the, the biggest event of all time, WrestleMania. Awesome. I, I appreciate the background because, like we said, like, there's a lot of matches that some of us are more familiar with than others. As much as wrestling as we've seen, like, I haven't watched this classic match, so... Just to know a little bit of background is awesome, and that's that's what this podcast is going to be all about. It's kind of and I can't wait. I, I you know I, I've watched it uh, not recently, uh, but I expect two of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. I mean, there's no way this match isn't anything but highlight reels. I mean, I know I know what happens after. I, I know the workings. I already know this is a good match. I know that it's a historic match. I know we we know all of this, but we're we're going to watch it now, and we're going to see what our reactions are. It's going to be good. Cool. Sounds good. So we'll start it now, and then we'll get a little bit of a post-match discussion in after. It's been on my list forever. They're going to bring back all of these outfits. I'm digging them. All <laughs> these people make me look tough. All of them. And that's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> this really is kind of end of an era, since you mentioned it. Like, if this is the first Mania without Hulk Hogan, and this is the first Mania, or the last Mania with Macho Man. Yeah. It really is kind of the end of an era and ushering in more so the the Bret Hart and the HBK kind of era in the 90s. Right, you know, that, that awkward phase in between the the golden age and the attitude era. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait. All right, Bret's in the ring. It's over. It's done. <laughs> hey, you wore the same tights as me. Yeah, they copied each other. <laughs> I'm telling Dad. Yeah, when they got in the fight, it's like, well, well, well you're going to have to change your gear. Like, I'm not changing my gear. You changed yours. You started this. I'm like, no, you did. Like, oh, well, well, I'm keeping my gear. Well, I am too. <laughs> heel does slap. I don't know if that's, a, that's not news. Heel does heel things. Yeah. Heel acts like bad guy. <laughs> heel, not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> wall talk 
I've never been in a fight in my life. Concrete Elite Angel there probably could. Concrete Angel, is that who it was? What's his fucking... I don't know. He says he's our friend. He says he oh, wants yeah. to... Do I forgot to kick... show up. I, forgot, I, don't even know. I forgot Kid Concrete was supposed to be a part of this podcast. I'd love to see if he wants to be part of the next one or if he's uh, missing or, or what the deal is. All right, yeah. Kid, kid Curb Stomp there. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think he'll show. I think he's going to flake. Yeah, I think he might be. He might be a coward like Mar- Marty Jannetty here and just never. Hey, you up. take that back because Marty Jannetty won the goddamn internet intercontinental uh, title. <laughs> Marty Jannetty is one of the greatest of all time. I don't even care what his Twitter says. Let's. <laughs> oh God, let's not get into that. <laughs> we need to have a whole episode on Marty Jannetty's social media. Where you read all of Marty Jannetty's tweets, and I'll read all of Hulk Hogan's tweets, and then we'll just watch to see what like our families are doing in the background. <laughs> just watch as they're packing their shit up, getting ready to leave. <laughs> like these guys are fucking. <laughs> Back to Brett and Owen. I mean, I feel like if you look, watch this whole match, trying to look for a fuck up, you wouldn't really find it. I feel like this is the type of match that if you make the mistake of showing somebody who doesn't watch wrestling to get them into wrestling, they will get into wrestling, but then they'll never be able to find a match that's as good as this, and then they'll get out of it very quickly. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you don't like wrestling? Watch this. Oh, that was amazing. Show me something else like that. No, there's nothing. That's about it. That was the one. (laughs) Oh, that was a nasty German suplex. The way they used to sell things so realistically, where they didn't need to take, like, a giant back bump. All they needed to do was realistically fall like they just got hit in the fucking throat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So like, you don't need to flower around the ring when you take a bump. You don't need to flip eight times. All you need to do is make it look like you got hit hard. Hey, wait a minute. You can't do the sharpshooter. It's Bret Hart you played with. I move, and, and he can't. Oh, uh-oh. Smooth wow. reversal. Ooh, nice, nice. I didn't know that was... I've never seen that reversal to a sharpshooter. Just roll the way he was going anyways. Yeah. yeah it was just that easy. Turns out, <laughs> after all these... <laughs> it, it wasn't a very effective move. You could just roll. Everyone just knew what Owen knew. I, I love the pacing of this match. It's just like... There's no... It's not starting slow and picking up the pace. It's not starting fast and slowing down. It's just consistent throughout. There's no real... There's no never more than 10 seconds where they're sitting around. You're not waiting for anything to happen. It's consistent action, good reversals, good chain wrestling. There's nothing boring about it. Well, and they keep, like, injuries. Like, Brett, he's nursing a knee right now. Like, you know, today... You could beat the shit out of his knee today, and he'll sell it for, like, maybe a couple moves after that. But by the end of the match, he doesn't have a knee injury anymore. Brett will milk that knee injury the whole time because the reality is your knee doesn't heal that fucking fast. If you get destroyed in the knee like Owen's doing to Brett right now, it doesn't just go away. And I love that. I love that when they sell something, that when they pick a body part, they they tear it apart, and then it, it tells a story all by itself. Yeah. And it's, you can tell it's working on both sides. Like, Brett is completely selling it, but Owen is just solely working the left knee right now. That's all you see. Trying to take out that knee, and that's telling the story. I mean, that's all you need to do. Yeah. Well, how I the hell did Owen Hart beat Brett? Well, he took his leg from him. How do you do a sharpshooter if, if you can't use your knee? If you, can't, you, if you can't put any weight on it? How do you do any of your moves? 
you might be the biggest dude in wrestling right now, but if if the the other guy gets one of your limbs and it's gone and you can't walk anymore, perfect. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm making fun of him. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, like, like mock link, mock limping. <laughs> oh my knee! Oh, all that. He's like still going at he's it. doing is centered around the left knee. Yeah, and it works. It's telling us. I love it. It's it's so much better. Now, I mean, it's just like how many big fucking spots can I do? Even if they have nothing to do with the same limb. So I, you know, I hit you with a throat chop, and then I do a like a. Alabama slam. It's like, well, those are two great moves, big moves, awesome bumps, but they have nothing to do with each other, and they're not chaining anything. Like, I don't have anything hurt. You're not continuing pain on my back. You're not doing anything. You're just hitting me with one move and then moving on to something that has nothing to do with anything else you were trying to do. There's no tactics in it. Yeah, and I, and when you get Owen and Brett in a match, you know you're getting two guys who completely care about that story st- storytelling side of things. So you're going to get just the most attention to detail in, for things like that. As you hear, you hear Brett talk about his matches, and he always mentions things like this, like the little, you know, oh, this is what I'm being, this is being injured, so I'm selling this. Like you can tell when he talks about matches that that's something he very much cares about well that's i mean that's why he's he's one of the if not the greatest of all time he cared that much yeah i mean you're not i'm not gonna argue if someone wants to say that he's the best he's definitely up there it's hard to like I, i love to make my lists but it's hard to really name a best wrestler ever um different factors depending on what you're talking about but Brett's uh, up there with just about anyone in terms of in-ring work. Absolutely. And I mean, we clearly got robbed of, you know, uh, part of Owen's career that I'm I'm sure he would have put on numerous fantastic matches too. I think with when you're wrestling this kind of style, if these guys uh, were able to keep wrestling, they would have been able to be continuing put on really good matches into their into their 40s if they didn't have the unfortunate incidents they did yeah for sure absolutely i mean I, I just wish there was more guys like this now i mean not to take away from the talent that's in there now but it's, it's just different and i mean it could be the, the crowd the atmosphere around too like when brett and owen were going i mean uh you know the crowd was different they didn't have the access to information that we have now they couldn't just go on the internet and google everything they wanted to google they couldn't yeah. look at couldn't rewatch matches they couldn't you know, it was much harder back then, so, I mean, a lot of that may come into it, too, and why these matches were so good and why the crowd was popping so hard. However, I don't know. Like, I, I've watched these. I remember watching these when I was a kid. Uh, I remember the crowd. I remember how into it I was in, uh, how how into it I was, how into it my dad was. And I've been to live events now. I watch live events now, and it's just not the same. I mean, the crowd's great sometimes. When you're there in person, it, it's amazing, but on TV, it's fine. But I just, I'm not seeing the storytelling that used to happen in the ring. Like the, the ring psychology just isn't there anymore. Even with the top guys. I mean, you look at John Cena, you look at Roman Reigns, both, both amazing guys. And I like them both. And, and they're amazing wrestlers, but their ability to tell stories in the ring are not, are not there. It's just not there like it used to be. Yeah, I think with those guys, you know, as, as good as they are and as hard as they've worked, you kind of, 
can tell a little bit they've been molded by the exact WWE style, WWE yeah. style that they've wanted them to kind of do over the last few years. As good as they are, you you don't you you get like you you can tell that they've been told to do it a certain way. Yeah, and it's, it's much more scripted, I think, now than it was back then. And I mean, they're a product of their time, so I mean. They're the way they are with wrestling. WWE is the way it is now, probably because it's evolved that way. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and be like, well, we do it this way. But the reality is if we were hired by WWE, we'd do it how they fucking told us to. So, Yeah. I agree that this kind of wrestling is missing nowadays. You, you yeah. get it with certain people. You get it with certain matches. But uh, a lot of the time, you don't get it with the main matches. You might need to yeah. watch... Uh, something on the undercard to to get something like this nowadays. And well, and you know where I uh, like the thing is like watching indie matches. I feel like the storytelling's still there sometimes, like on the lower end promotions, the indie matches, things like that. That yeah. type of wrestling still happens. It's yeah. just not big shows now. The problem is that the indie matches and some of the lower end, like the stuff that I was involved with, that storytelling aspect was there. But the ability wasn't. The wrestling wasn't as good. Like, I mean, we were never, like, the guys weren't as good at it. It just, the training wasn't there. The the practice wasn't yeah. there. The experience wasn't there. So, like, but the storytelling was. I mean, I could watch matches in a fucking campground and see guys, like, selling a match or, or telling a good story. Absolutely. I, would, if I was the referee. That would have been done. I was like, no, nah, this is tap. Especially, yeah, I've seen taps nowadays. Like, the, the bell gets rang quicker than that. Yeah, I think maybe you'll get, depending on who he's wrestling, maybe a Daniel Bryan match that resembles this, but there's not too many wrestlers that are going to give you the same style uh, in current WWE. No, and you know who is kind of doing it really well? Um, Ricochet. Yeah. He wasn't technical, but I felt like he was much better at, like, because there was a few times where you'd see someone attack his leg because he's a high flyer, and he'd limp his ass to the corner to jump off the corner. Yeah. Oh, look, Vince McMahon on the corner of uh, his mouth. Yeah, he got the spit on the corner of his mouth, and he continued to cut the post-match promo with that spit on the side. I really want to win, Vince. How do I win? I'll tell you, we come behind the door with me for a minute. <laughs> Are you sure Brett won't mind? Of course Brett won't mind. We're going to do it again to him in a couple of years with Sean. He just doesn't know it yet. You're going to tell him, right? No, we're not going to tell him. I think I, I do agree where like Ricochet is a lot more high flying, but he does. I, he seems like he's minding, mindful about what he's selling and stuff. Yeah. Um, AEW has some of it. I find like with the tag team division, sometimes you get a little bit too much no selling from from my liking. But I mean, uh, when you get the main event matches, like. Moxley Omega, uh, there was some good selling in that. It's just I find sometimes in the tag division it's too a bit too much back and forth with no selling. Out of just like a little bit more selling, um, I think yeah. you, you could you could have a good match. And I think that yeah is what you get from Bretton Owen that you might be missing a little bit nowadays, where there's like a consistent story being told throughout the match of someone working a body part and then. At the end, Brett isn't able to fully execute all of his moves because his left knee is so bad. So at first you see Owen working the knee, and then you see Brett trying to pull off a couple moves that fail because of his knee. And then you end up getting Owen winning at the end on a bit of a reversal because Brett doesn't have the strength to kick out. So, 
Yeah, I mean, how much of the win, too, came from Brett underestimating his little brother? I mean, he's, you know, this is their first technical match, I guess. This is the first time they've they've gone at it, I think. But, uh, um, you know, they, they probably wrestled as kids, all this. And, I mean, how much of it was Brett going, like, bah, he can't beat me, he never has. And some of it, you know, Owen comes out on top, and that's why we see the surprise we have, along with Owen, you know, learning from his big brother, figuring out his move, being able to isolate that knee take that knee out of the equation. And then like you said, now Brett can't quite perform the way he's used to performing. And on top of that, he didn't expect to lose going into the match. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like, I like the decision to have Owen win. Like you said, I don't, I don't know if they've met after this, uh, you know, you got to assume that they wrestled each other a bunch of times growing up and have practiced together because everything looks completely second nature to them. Every reversal looks so smooth. So you gotta, you gotta figure they've been practicing together for years upon end, which they must. They have, have. and actually, so after this, they they went on to have a lengthy feud, and they have fought a few times. Um, and all the matches, from my memory, were were amazing. And uh, no, so more to add to the list. Yeah. I think they had a really good steel cage match too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't remember when. We could look it up, but uh, yeah, they had a really good meeting. But we, there's more where that came from. So we finished the match. We're here. It's it's um, it was an amazing match. It, uh, I don't know. I could watch that. I could almost watch that every night along with other matches. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's not. You're not bored at any point. Um, the wrestling is just like watching it is like music to my ears it's it's very smooth um i think in terms of a a technical wrestling match there's not really anything more you could ask for you know in terms of the style of match it is you know it, it doesn't have everything that any wrestling match could potentially have but in terms of what it is it has everything it needs it's, cer- it's certainly not the be-all, end-all of uh, wrestling matches, but, I mean, it's if you're into technical wrestling, it's what you hope to see. It's what you want to see. So it's a great match. I mean, the thing is, that, like, like I was saying earlier, this WrestleMania 10, this, this was a, a huge event. Uh, you know, after this, so one of the big, the big events that happens after is Brett goes on to win the heavyweight title this night. He just fucking lost to his brother, but by the end of the night, he'll be holding the strap. And that's what, you that's know, that's, kind of, that's insane, yeah. <laughs> And, that, and that's what sets this whole, like, uh, feud in motion. I mean, imagine being Owen Hart. You just beat your brother, and now your brother gets to win the title at the end of the night. You've got to feel like you deserve it. He, I mean, yeah, so so uh, as I was saying before, the Royal Rumble was a bit of a toss-up at the end. So Lex Luger actually uh, ended up fighting uh, Yokozuna first. Uh, he was disqualified for pushing the referee, which would end up uh, meaning Bret Hart comes out and gets to challenge Yokozuna for the title now. And Bret won. He won via pinfall, which would fuel the work feud between Bret and Owen for uh, essentially the rest of the year. Uh, it was huge. And, and another interesting tidbit is before this match, so they had worked this match out to finish the spots weeks in advance. And the night or a couple nights before, essentially, maybe up to four nights before, Brett decided to change the match. So he called Owen, and uh, the whole match changed. So to finish everything, uh, they, they changed everything last minute, and that's what makes this match even better. They, they had a way. They had something in their mind they were going to do, and then they scrapped it. And essentially, uh, my understanding is the match was changed because Brett looked at it and said, you know what, There's, you're, you're, you're too much of a baby face. Uh, you know, if you're supposed to come in and be the heel, and you start doing top rope, uh, like top rope uh, drop kicks and, all these high-flying moves, people right. are going to look at you and be like, how, how do I boo that? 
So essentially, Brett decided that you need to be more of a heel in the match, which is why we started to see, you know, uh, the taunting of Brett when Brett was limping and Owen was walking behind him going like, uh, I mean, that's what this all stemmed from. Brett going like, you need to act like a more of a heel. You can't do your high flying moves. You can't do those crazy things. You need to do technical wrestling with me and do more taunting and you need to be dirty. And so this match was completely changed days before the big event. And it worked out so great. Crazy. And it was, it was the right call, clearly. And it did, because beyond that, what ended up happening, um, I mean, it's hard to say one way or another that the, the, the actions that followed after the match were directly because of this. However, and, you know, a lot of people look at this match as the, uh, you know, it sent, it sent Owen off into being one of the company's top heels. And then not only that, it solidified the ability for guys like the, the, the size of Brett and Owen. I mean, Brett was already there, but Owen's now here that you don't have to be the size of Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan to be in title contention. This was where guys started to realize you can have guys that are the size of like Rey Mysterio or AJ Styles. They can, they can go for the top title in the company if they can perform right. And, and Owen and Brett, a lot of people credit this match, this first match between Owen and Brett, uh, to open the doors for so many wrestlers that we still see today being able to compete for titles that most people would say would be out of their reach. I mean, if you had to put Owen in two years before this and said Owen Hart was going to compete for the world title, they would have said he's not big enough. Yeah. I mean, for this match, nobody said that anymore. It was it was open game for that title, right? I appreciate the context because watching that match alone, it's great. But knowing that Brett loses that and then wins the title later that night makes complete sense that this feud continues beyond tonight. I think it was like completely the right call that Brett made to make Owen act a little bit more like a heel. Um, I think he, him doing that within the match was was awesome. And just the fact that uh, I think, like you said, it makes sense that this match was so inspirational, like to to a lot of young up and comers, to show that like smaller guys could could have a chance. Um, because you think about a, a year ago before this at WrestleMania nine, you had Bret Hart losing to Yokozuna, and then Hogan coming out of nowhere and winning the title. So after years of Hulkamania, you know they were still kind of trying to cling on to that. But it feels like this WrestleMania is a bit more of a transition, especially if you had Brett winning the title in the end. So if if WrestleMania 9 was, we're not quite ready to move on from Hulk Hogan, maybe WrestleMania 10 is, okay, let's try to work with Brett and let's put the title on him and see what we can do and try to usher in a new era of wrestling. Yeah, no, it's... uh... It was a good event. And, and the funny thing for me is, so, like, as you know, I'm re-watching uh, essentially from the very first episode of Raw back in 1993, and I'm, and I'm watching forward. So I'm actually not to WrestleMania 10 yet in my, um, like, day-to-day watching and trying to catch myself up. So right now in the storyline, uh, Hulk Hogan is still the title. So, um, you know, when we fast forward today to go to WrestleMania 10, it took me a quick second to be like, wait, how does Bret Hart win the title from Yokozuna when Hulk Hogan has the title. So I'm playing that fun game now uh, in my own head where, to me, 1993 is the present. And everything that happens when I watch those matches is what's happening right now in wrestling. And it's actually a lot of fun for me to watch this now with you and be like, wait, well, how the... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching matches that happened like 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eventually you'll, eventually you'll fill in the blanks of from where you're at now in your rewatch to, to this WrestleMania, and you'll be able to kind of fill in what happened in between. 
where did what did they do with the title to be able to move it around like that? Absolutely, and I have to say that WWE uh, Network subscription has more than paying for itself. I was skeptical at first that maybe uh, I'll watch a couple matches like here and there, or a couple shows here and there, but it's probably not going to be worth like you know a monthly subscription. But uh, I pretty much daily had that thing on, and uh, it's it's yeah. uh, I got now it's looking like a bargain. Yeah, you you come for the free trial around WrestleMania season, but then you stay for the old Raw episodes and the documentaries and all the, the cool archives they have. So, yeah, I'm, But I'm, hey, WWE and wh- whoever the hell has the, uh, you know, the chokehold on the damn subscriptions in Canada, I don't want to have to have a fucking cable subscription to watch wrestling. I just want to pay for your app the same way I do Netflix and watch your shit. Stop yeah. making me have to buy cable to do it. I don't want cable. I don't watch cable. I don't care about cable. I can watch the fucking news on YouTube. I do not care. T- yeah. Take our money. Take our yeah. money. Like we, I'm going to stop giving money. WWE money soon if they, don't, if they don't just make the app a standalone thing. I just want to watch wrestling. But if make you keep making me have cable too, I'm going to be done. And you're going to have to deal with my YouTube views watching shit you post three years later about matches, okay? Sorry, and brand, but make it in Canada like it is in America. That's all. Just because yeah. I yeah. get it. Probably not WWE's choice. I'm guessing there's regulations, like I think you mentioned before, with the big three with Spell and Rogers. I'm guessing that they have some kind of stranglehold on whatever the hell cable plans. But yeah. it is infuriating to want to sign up for WWE Network and have to. Put in your cable provider information. I don't have a cable provider, man. I don't have cable. Just, just take our cool. money, please. Make it easier to take our money. <laughs> buy merchandise. I'm going to watch all your matches. You don't need them. You do not need them. Whatever Netflix has going for their Canadian shit, ask them. Call Netflix guys. Like, hey, Captain Netflix, how the fuck are you streaming shit in, Netflix, uh, in Canada without Rogers getting involved? And they're going to be like, oh, we just don't give a fuck about Rogers. And you're going to be like, okay. Oh, wait, I'm WWE and I have a lot of money. I don't need them either. And then you can do it and I'll watch and I'll love it. But I'm telling yeah. you right now, AEW comes out with it first. Bye-bye WWE Network because <laughs> the bullshit. I don't like cable. Yeah, I agree. So that that's the rant of the day. And I wholeheartedly agree. Make it easier to get the WWE Network in Canada. Lots of people want to give you their money. I guarantee it. Um, so I think in terms of the Brett Owen match, I think we've talked probably about all we we can about that. Loved it. Um, went over some really good context around it that I had no idea. Um, and not that anyone asked, but I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. What, what else can you want? Like we said, the beauty of wrestling is you can have an amazing match for different reasons. It can be emotional, it can be an insane spot fest, or it can just be a technical masterpiece. So this was, this was my favorite match is still Eugene versus coach. (laughs) As you should, as it should be. Um, so if if you want to switch gears, I would like to watch uh, a new Japan match. Oh, New Japan. All right. Yeah, I'm down for this. Uh, admittedly, I am not up to date on New Japan. I don't really watch it. Uh, you know, you, you and uh, Senior fucking uh, Mask Face tried to get me. Or Concrete. We did watch. You know, it was uh, around New Year's. We were a little bit in the bag, so I don't remember most of it. 
I know I, at the time, I know I enjoyed myself a lot, but uh, I have the benefit of watching what we're going to watch going in brand new. Um, so my reactions after the fact will be completely sincere, um, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, if I don't like it, I will be blatantly um, upfront about that and I will, I will uh, explain why I don't like it, but I'm sure yeah. I will. For sure. Uh, this event or this podcast i should say you know it isn't meant for everyone to love everything we see but it's uh, meant to you know show each other some uh, matches that maybe one of us have seen or two of us have seen that the other hasn't so you know depending on what the promotion is and what the time frame is a lot of the time there's things that two of us know better than the third of the third of us so uh, new japan's probably one of those uh Kid Concrete and I have watched quite a few matches. I, I think I've shown some to Josh, but uh, there's still a lot to a lot to be unturned. I think, and a lot of matches that I know you'll really enjoy. Uh, so the first one I'm I'm picking for us is is Moxley versus Ishii from the G1 last year. So this is a good start uh, because the G1 is kind of my introduction to New Japan. It's a tournament they have every year. And the winner of it faces the the holder of the title at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, which is their WrestleMania. Uh, who who was at this point? I'm just trying to put myself back there. Who was holding the title at this point? Now I know you said we're going to watch Ishii versus uh, John Moxley. Love John Moxley. Yeah. I really don't know anything about Ishii, and I, and I'm sure he's amazing. I mean, um, you, you seem to know him. I'm I'm, I'm sure he's, he's really great. good. And honestly, in terms of New Japan guys, he's one I know, I know a bit less about. Um, when you when you hear New Japan guys, you think uh, Okada, the main title holder. So he had a few legendary matches with Kenny Omega in years past, and he's he has the main title uh, right now. You have guys like Ibushi, guys like Naito. Uh, guys like Tanahashi and uh, guys like Will Ospreay. So they have like a really talented roster. Ishii isn't even a guy I think of when I think of like one of the best New Japan wrestlers. But the fact that he had this uh, hard-hitting match with Moxley I think is just a, a cool introduction to uh, a certain side of New Japan for you. Um, so there's probably a lot matches with a lot better high flyers. There's probably matches with some better technical wrestlers. But I just really liked what Moxley and Ishii brought to the table. Ishii is just like this. He's a Japanese guy. He's really thick. He's just known for like some hard-hitting matches. Uh, so some background here is just... Uh, there isn't too much of a blood feud between the two or anything like that. All that really happened was Moxley showed out of no up out of nowhere in New Japan. This was like uh, a few weeks after he had his last match in WWE as Dean Ambrose. Um... So he showed up in New Japan at first and was just like, I'm joining the G1, I'm fucking shit up. And not even long after that, he showed up at Double or Nothing for AEW and fucking attacked Kenny Omega and was like, I'm gonna, I'm showing up here to fuck up shit too. Uh, so it would look like he was just, I'm done with WWE, I want, I'm going to do everything I want to do right now. So before he fully set foot in AEW, he had this match in... Uh, or a series of matches in New Japan. And if I remember correctly, this was the first or second match in the G1 he had. So this tournament is has Pool A and Pool B, and I think they both consist of five wrestlers, I want to say. Um, and every wrestler in each pool wrestles each other. 
and whoever has the best record from Pool A faces whoever has the best record from Pool B in the G1 final. The winner of that faces the champion at Wrestle Kingdom. So who's so, the champion at this point in the timeline? Do you remember? Uh, Okada's the champion. At Okada, this point. okay. Yeah. Uh, but he's also in the G1, so I don't know if they really... I don't I don't even remember what the storyline is if he wins the G1. I feel like no one has to fight him at Wrestle Kingdom or what they do. So, so Okada's in the tournament, but he's also the champ. Stay off. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. They make I, a bunch I, of tickets. I think, what, I think the, what they say is that he chooses who he fights if he wins. So I, I think Fair that's enough. the way they cover for And again, to, to reiterate, we're, we're not watching the whole G1 um, we're watching this one match. I was just looking for background context. So yeah. I'm not going to the last during the match. However, uh, don't expect to see us sit through, what, six hours for a day of wrestling uh, no. at one time. It's not going to happen. I have severe problems with sitting still for any more than three or four minutes. So I mean, we've done about... Goldberg matches from now on. That's all I can sit through. <laughs> we've done pre- you've done pretty well so far for the podcast then. Uh, yeah, but I've been drinking beer. That helps. That definitely helps. <laughs> so yeah, but there's there's not much more to go in terms of uh, over in terms of the background of this feud. It, it it's not really uh, you know they didn't have beef with each other for from weeks past. This is just Moxley shows up in New Japan. Moxley says he's going to enter the G1 and win it, and uh, this is one of his first matchups in the tournament against like a big hard hitting uh, guy like Ishii. So it's just very much a kind of brawler sort of match. Um, but this isn't necessarily your typical New Japan match, but it was a cool flavor that I think Moxley brought to the table that certain guys like Ishii gel really well with. So I don't even think it's the best ter- match from the G1, but I think it's just such an entertaining watch and uh, such a bit of a different vibe that I, I wanted to show you it. I'm uh, in 100% not to derail anything, but when you said the words that Moxley showed up and said he was going to win the G1, all I could think of is The Rock saying, the cameraman just told me he's going to win the Royal Rumble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go. Tomohiro Ishii and John Moxley. So this is kind of an example of New Japan, um, Kid Kid Concrete, whatever his name is. I don't care anymore. Kid who? Kid Concrete? I don't know. I don't, I don't care anymore about it. He's but, not here. He doesn't matter. Him and I know New Japan a little, a little bit better than you, so this is an no, example. The only thing he knows about Japan is Dragon Ball Z. He doesn't know anything. He's never watched wrestling. <laughs> I'd, I'd be surprised if he even knew what kayfabe meant. We'll have to ask him. We'll have to give him a trivia. on the will ask him anything. I, actually, have, I'm not going to talk to him. Maybe he'll have to talk to you. Okay. So, okay. Never be on the podcast after all. I was hopeful at the beginning of the episode, but it sounds like you've got too much heat with him now. I think we should just not do a podcast with him. I think it's easier with two people. Yeah, you're not wrong. But if he came along, I'd give him a chance. There's too much money in a potential... What do you mean you just, we gave him a chance? What I'm is in, he doing? I'm, in, I'm a promoter here. I'm, I'm the promoter here. I'm, I'm, I'm in the money business. So if I, if I can get both you guys on and we can get a little bit of a feud going, then maybe that's money for me. It's your time. Quarter to one in the morning. What the <laughs> fuck else is he doing? He could be here. He just doesn't want to be. At least I can show you some of the New Japan world while he's in here. 
I yeah. love it. And when he does get on here, I'm going to act like I know more than him now. I'm going to be like, yeah. no, mother- I watched New Japan yesterday. <laughs> exactly. I know more than you. You've watched it more recently than him. Every so, time you the name, I'm going to say you gave up. A bit of a, it's a bit of a tour, so they do it in different locations. So, like, this this place isn't too big. You get a pretty pretty small venues doing some of these. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, so the, the vibe is really cool. It's more intimate. Yeah. I mean, that's not a small crowd by any stretch of the imagination. But no, it's not I small. I prefer it to the sold-out arenas. Yeah. It's not it's not small, but it's uh, still pretty intimate, and it has a bit of an old school feel with the kind of balconies and stuff. That's what's awesome about watching the old school Raws when they're at, they're at the old, uh, you know, not when they're at MSG yet, but for WrestleManias and stuff. But when they're at the, the old ballrooms and stuff. It, uh, oh yeah, it's awesome. I mean, no, though, like the thing is, like they they do have um, upper bowl seating, but it's like right above the front row. Yeah, so right there. So what title does uh, this guy have now? I saw him. He came up with a strap. I think it's the Never Open White title. I forget what Never stands for, but it's a new-ish mid-card title in New Japan. And it seems to be held by generally like people like Ishii who are like hard-hitting mid-card guys. So essentially, so, these guys are just going to kick and punch each other right now. They're, they're just going to kick each other. That's what this is, and it's going to be... It. I love it, and it's super weird seeing uh, Moxley completely outside the dude. Yeah, for sure. And like, so how, how do how where do they get off finding the smallest dude and making him the heavy hitter? Yeah, he's just he's I don't know. Guy. He's just thick, man. It's just but not really. Like when you look at like, okay, if you were to stand next to him, right? He looks yeah. thick because he's five foot six. That's true. That's true. But like. Next to Moxley, he doesn't look thick at all. Like Moxley's arms are way thicker than his. You're right. Like he was more, uh, he was bigger he's in, big my, for a small in dude. my memory than he actually is. Yeah, he's tiny. He's like, I, I'm willing to bet he's shorter than Ray. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like if you put him to the WWE, he's lucky if he makes it to cruiserweight. I'm willing to bet those guys are bigger than him. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. In WWE, he'd be small. However, that doesn't take away from his wrestling. He might be fucking awesome. No, hey, you're what, right. You're that, right. That memory, I'm a bit, I'm thickening him up. He's, he's bigger than I, or he's not as big as I remembered. But he's still a very stiff wrestler. Oh, for sure. Uh, is that uh, the famous referee Red Shoes calling this match? Yeah, I think so. I, I didn't see the shoes, there's a glare on him, but I did see, like, he was acting a bit of a cartoon character. Yeah, I think it, it's probably him for this one. Moxley's character in New Japan is some kind of similar but kind of different. So. Well, see, I, I, I'll get behind Moxley every time. You know why? Because he's crushing it, he's holding a title, and he's got the same hairline as me. I, I, like, I don't know how you don't root for the guy. I mean, he looks, he looks like me. And uh, if he can do it, it means that the rest of us might be able to someday. Yeah, he did a. He was on Jericho's podcast a bit after leaving, and he was just saying like, "Man, like he got a huge offer apparently." And he's like, "Man, you guys are really gonna make me walk away from all this money." Like he was mad because he felt like he had to turn down the contract because it's like if you guys are gonna book me in this shitty storylines and shit, then I have to turn down this huge amount of money because you guys are gonna make me do it. Is the way he was wording it because like 
the way he's saying it, it's like by putting him in the storylines he was in in WWE, they were basically forcing him to like walk away from that money because he couldn't, he knew he couldn't take that money if it meant he was going to be in, in shit for years that he didn't have any like, you know, uh, creative input behind. Yeah. I, you know what though? I respect the hell out of him for that. I respect anybody who follows like, uh, their own morals and what they think and, and they're willing to turn down paydays like that. Cause I mean, the reality is even in WWE, I mean, he was always, he was kind of like a, I don't even know how to explain him. I mean, towards the end, he was, he was like a jobber, but only for like the top card guys. Yeah, no, he, they he lose a lot. And he, was, he was fucking over. He was always over, but like he would lose a lot. Yeah. But, especially near the end. But to see them throw money at him and him be like, you know what? Nah, like I got to go do my thing because you guys aren't doing it right. I respect that so much. I mean, I'm going to keep watching WWE, but. Um, yeah, for sure. But I, I'm, I think him, him, him leaving was for the best. You yeah. know, he has a lot of creative juices that I think need to be uh, need to be expelled at this and point. I mean, the thing is, you can tell like when uh, every match he does, he, you can tell he puts everything into it. I mean, his acting, his uh his wrestling ability, his athletics. I mean, the, the, the fact that he's wearing, he's willing to wear the crimson mask almost every night. Um, you know, his heart is 100% in it. And, and the reality is where WWE is and what they try to do with their programming and, uh, you know, be more family friendly and things like that. I don't know that John Moxley does best there. Like, I, I think he does yeah. better at AEW where he can be the outrageous character he wants to be. And, and, you know, if he wants to bleed, he can fucking bleed. If he wants to hit a dude with a baseball bat, he can hit a dude with a baseball bat. And, and he doesn't have to worry about a fine coming afterwards. AEW is clearly giving people uh, freedom with their own characters. They might not be able to write the whole story, but in terms of their own characters, they can express it how they want. Yeah. And I think that's what definitely what he needs. Now, he's doing great in AEW. I love his promos. He's cutting in AEW, man, the one where he's like in the... Uh, He's just out in gravel pits and like <laughs> in sand, talking about coming back, and I love it. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. He reminds me of like a like not his character, but uh, he reminds me of Stone Cold Steve Austin in a way where he's like the rebel of the company. You know, he's on top, but like he doesn't really necessarily care about the title that much. He, he yeah. cares about winning. He cares about beating the guy who pissed him off. The title is great, but it but it doesn't define him. Where you look at like uh, you know guys like The Rock, Triple H, things like that. I mean, when they got the title, that was what they were going for. But with Moxley and Austin, the title was a side venture. It was just something that happened because they beat the shit out of the dude they wanted to beat the shit out of. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because you had dating back to Jericho offering Moxley a spot in the inner circle and him smashing him with the champagne bottle, and that. He Running the title <laughs> off of him, but he no, he just mostly wanted to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, and, and I think you know what? That's why guys like Moxley and Austin will do well in whatever brand they go in. Because the thing is, you can take the strap from Moxley; it won't matter. He'll still be the top. He'll still be one of the top guys in the company because his next feud will be the only thing people care about watching. Yeah. Because it won't matter if it's a title or not. Somebody else, he'll lose the strap eventually. It'll happen, and then somebody will piss him off. And then that heat will be more important than the title. Just watching Moxley get his hands on whoever the hell wronged him will be awesome. Yeah, 100%. 100%.
Like, I think it worked out well with him being the, the guy to dethrone Jericho, but he doesn't need the title to, to stay yeah. over. Whatever yeah. he'll be involved in will be interesting regardless. But that was so awesome. I did not think he was going to beat Jericho. Uh, when I was watching that, I was like, you know what? I love Moxley, but this isn't how it happened. And then it happened, and I was like, well, that shows what I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like he was probably one of the few guys who could take the title off Jericho, but uh, I didn't I know. Like I, didn't think could, it was, but I wasn't convinced. At the time, I, I knew he could, like wrestling-wise. I know he could. But storyline-wise, I really, at the time, thought that they would just Cody would find a way to come back. Yeah. And, and it'd be Cody and uh, Jericho again. And, uh, yeah, for some reason, I just did not see Moxley winning. I thought Moxley would lose. Uh, it would be some bullshit. But then, you know, he would go crazy Moxley, and the storyline would change, and all of a sudden he'd have his eyes set on somebody else. You know, maybe somebody interferes in that match, causes him to lose the title, but now he's more focused on getting back at that person who interfered in the title itself because it doesn't matter to him. Yeah, but I figured if, if Moxley lost, it was going to be, it wouldn't be clean for sure. No, for sure. Yeah. no, I thought Sammy Guevara or someone would get involved and then that would be the next heat would be, uh, you know, Moxley versus that person. Yeah. That's what I truly thought. But then he won and I was like, holy shit, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> Now he's the champ and he's the renegade. Like, like how are you the rebel slash renegade of the entire company, but also the face of the company and also the champion? Like, that's crazy. For sure. I love how Moxley gives him the chair. Do you see that? Yeah. Like, we're going to hit each other with the chairs until one of us gives up. <laughs> oh, shit. That chair just broke. Yeah, <laughs> you lose, asshole. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, dude. That chair just obliterated itself. <laughs> I would do that. I'm out. Moxley, you win. That's fucked up. And I love that in New Japan, they don't have tables, they have benches. Yeah, the little, the little Japan tables. <laughs> a 3D through a, a knee-high bench. <laughs> oh, shit! He hit him with a cutter? Ooh. I love it. I mean... Off the ring. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, man, they keep teasing us with that table. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's over. Oh, it's there. You know what? That's better, though, because in real life, you set up a table, shit changes, and now the fight's back in the ring. I mean, I like that better. But then by the time they get back over there, you forget the table's there. You and someone's the gonna go through it. <laughs> I like that all the fans are sitting down, man. Yeah, dude, the Japanese fans are so respectful. They're like, they're, there's, they're, there's no, there's not going to be chance, usually. It's so much better. Yeah. I don't they'll, know why. They'll like cheer it. for good sequences and stuff, but they're not going to be like, you know, what? you deserve it. No, but, like, they boo. Like, the, the the best part is, is, like, you know, they'll have, like, a clean chain wrestling, uh, like, a, like a chain. Yeah. And cheer the chain afterwards, and no big spot happens. You don't yeah, need to they'll spot. just react to that, yeah. But a clean chain happened, and they'll cheer. Or like uh, you know the, the the heel will get a small move off on the on the good guy and the and the baby face will fall down and then they'll boo and it's amazing yeah. it's, like you guys are either that into it or someone paid you at the door to be the perfect crowd but yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't see a whole like you know you don't often see tables and stuff in in the Japanese Dude. matches especially like the G well, kind of matches that that didn't um, that didn't disqualify him. Like, why Why is this still going on now? He just put him through a table in the middle Basically, of a thing. Basically, like, the, the way they kind of uh, 
talk about it in Japan is like I wish they'd kind of do this in in WWE sometimes is like it's the ref's discretion. So if the ref the ref has the authority to if he doesn't want to disqualify them for that stuff, he doesn't have to. Yeah, but if he does disqualify one person and then a week later he doesn't disqualify the next person for the same thing, he's playing favorites and being biased and then all of a sudden you have an issue with the legitimacy of the win. Although I'd rather at least them like justify it like that rather than just yeah, ignore, it. ignore it. Yeah, no, I agree. I would rather them straight up go, yeah, I didn't feel like, you know what, I didn't feel like that was facetious. Uh, the guy who set up the table was actually a guy who went through it, so I allowed it. Yeah. So, exactly. Fine. Like, if you can justify it, I guess I can, uh, I can accept yeah. it. Yeah, whereas if that happens in a WWE match, it's just kind of like they wouldn't, they would not mention it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they would just ignore that it happened and pretend it didn't exist. Yeah. But like so like with me you could make the argument that like if uh you know John John brings in a chair and then the other guy grabs the chair and hits him with it and there's no DQ and the ref's like, Well, I mean he brought the fucking chair in. It's not it's his own fault that he got hit with it, he brought the weapon, then I'd be like, Yeah, you know you know what, fair enough. Yeah, exactly. But like if he brought the chair in and then hit the dude with it, yeah, it should be a disqualification. He intentionally brought a chair in specifically to hit the dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. These guys are just so uh, stiff with each other. I, I love the back and forth. I do like it. I mean, I mean, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's not a very technical match. I mean, as far as like greatest matches goes down, it, w- it will not go down as a, one of the greatest matches. However, entertaining, it is very entertaining. Both of these yeah. guys discuss- exactly. That's why it was so we're not always going for, you know, all technical oh. or a classic match or a necessarily yeah. a like a, I feel like it's a good example of like something different. We got a, a hard-hitting kind of Japanese style match. And I mean like it isn't even like the, the, that a lot of Jap or not a new Japan matches are like this because it's not because this is a, even a bit different for Japan. But just like look they're just fucking like headbutting each other. Yeah, just so stiff. But uh it's entertaining. And they're selling it. Like, that that's the thing. So, like, yes, they're being stiff. No, it's not that technical. However, I mean, you look in their faces, you believe it. Yeah, an emotional brawler kind of match. Yeah. But the thing is, I know, like, a, and also mm-hmm. it helps. I know John can be technical. He just chooses not to be. Like, I've seen him do pretty technical matches. I've never seen him, like, to the caliber of, like, we'll say Benoit or something like that. But, like, um, I don't know why I chose him as the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reference point, but you know what I mean. But but he has shown to be able to chain wrestle and do well. He just chooses the brawler. Uh, yeah, yeah, you see it. So that's kind of why you're, you know once you watch someone and can respect him and you know they can do multiple styles, that's when you're like, okay, it's it's cool that he's brawling here because you know he can change it up when he needs to. Yeah, like if you know if the dude grabs him, okay, he'll start into a grappling. But like he just chooses not to. I, yeah. I do enjoy that, and and I do agree. This match is actually uh, quite entertaining. Yeah. Even though it's not technical, it's just dude oh, knee punching each other in the face. I feel like Japan's brought in a lot of I, national guys at this point, so they have really a, a really good mix of different styles. They have like Osprey and Zack Saber Jr., who are like British style chain wrestlers. They have the they still have the Japanese guys who do their very long emotional style matches, but then they got like guys like Moxley and even Jericho, you know, in recent memory, who bring a bit of the American style in, but still gel with the Japanese guys really well. Yeah, I really uh, I'm enjoying this. So 
In your opinion, though, what's the more traditionally, what's the more interesting match to watch, like a traditional American style uh, match? Or would you prefer watching a Japanese style match, like a Japanese uh, um, with the crowd and the, and the build up and the, the pacing of the match and everything? What do you like? It's a good question. It, I feel like if, if you have a bit of the storyline uh, background, and can have and are sitting down with no cell phone to watch a 50 minute Japan match I would probably go with that like if you if you know enough of the background and are just like I'm going to sit down and only watch this and watch like the how how anime kind of style it is and how like emotional it is you can have a, the time of your life watching like a an hour long wrestle kingdom kind of uh, Japan yeah, right. match but I so feel but like, casual, I like for a casual viewer though the uh, WWE like the uh, the American yeah. style might be better for a casual viewer but for like, someone who understands if you were like pick three matches to get someone to like wrestling I would probably pick all WWE matches just because yeah. a the the pre match promos are so good and they kind of give you a background and then just say yeah, I like two it's a bit more like digestible it's shorter. Yeah, so a bit shorter. You don't, you know, a, less of a slow build up, and uh, you get more of the story. I think that's probably it. That's it. Yeah, dude, he hit him with two of those DDTs, and the first one was so fast that I thought he actually planted the dude's head into the mask. <laughs> <laughs> the like first one so was WWE style finisher, like the yeah. DDTs. The second one, the second one was the paradigm shift, right, where he puts yeah, him right up in the air, and then exactly, yeah. So the Dirty Deeds is the quick one, and the Paradigm Shift is the exact same thing, but he lifts them up in the air. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I've never understood the difference between the two. I've been calling his finisher the Paradigm Shift since he went to AEW, regardless of how he does it. And then when he was in WWE, it was always the uh, Dirty Deeds, no matter how he did it. (laughs) Although I don't think I've ever seen him do the lift up in WWE. Yeah, I don't think I've seen him do the lift up there either. I'm trying to find, like, he did, he always did the quick DDT in, in WWE, and he had one against Triple H. Uh, one of the matches I'm going to put on this podcast 100% is um, when Triple H was champ and Roman Reigns was going to fight him at WrestleMania, the pay-per-view before that, Ambrose had a title match against Triple H, and it was definitely Ambrose's best match in WWE, or at least way up there. Ambrose uh, Triple H. Ambrose Triple H for the title before Ambrose had even gotten uh, a shot at the title before. So it was like there was a few uh, two counts in that that like you believed for a sec that Ambrose might win it and it was going to be Ambrose Reigns at, at Triple H or at uh, at WrestleMania. Ambrose Reigns at, at Triple H. At Triple H. Triple H. Yeah, thoughts on Moxley. Yeah, when when you told me we we're gonna watch a New Japan match, uh, I gotta say that you know the stereotypes went in my mind, and I expected a very tactical, slow match. Uh, which was, I mean, this this match, like you said, the pacing was slower, not bad, but slower. Um, but the uh, it wasn't that technical. I mean, it was uh, it was dudes punching each other in the head, kicking each other in the head, putting them through tables. It was well done. Everything was. Sold. I mean, every move Moxley hit looked like it fucking hurt. Every move Ichi hit looked like it fucking hurt. At first, I was a little concerned because Ichi was so much smaller. I didn't think him being a hard hitter would be believable against Moxley, who's you know six foot two, six foot three. He's a he's not a small dude. Yeah. Um, well, but once it started, man, it, 
it worked. It, it worked really well. I thought it was very entertaining. I really liked it. Again, I wouldn't put it up there as one of the most technical matches of all time. However, if you would ask me, like, um, you know, I'd put it in the list of the most entertaining. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's not necessarily, like, if you don't show this to someone to say, like, this is New Japan, because it's definitely not a, the best example of it. But I think with the last G1, I think it's like Moxley was kind of throwing a wrench in New Japan. So you don't, you're... I think it's a good example of like New Japan being open to kind of different styles of wrestling now. Uh, so I think yeah, when when you when I was showing you New Japan matches, you probably have a certain style you're expecting, and a lot of the matches will probably be like longer, slower build kind of matches. But uh, with Moxley Ishii, it was just an example of how last year Moxley was just like coming into New Japan out of nowhere, fresh out of WWE, and he's like, I'm gonna fuck shit up, and he had this really hard-hitting match with Ishii. It was, like, very stiff, and it was the first Moxley New Japan match I watched. So I just was, like, I don't know. It got me excited for the rest of the G1 tournament, and it got me excited for Moxley outside of WWE. So I feel like it was just one I wanted to show you because I knew at the very least you would find it very entertaining. I, I enjoyed the hell of it. And the funny thing is when, when Moxley, uh, when he first left WWE, I was really upset because uh, I liked him as Dean Ambrose. I thought he was funny on the mic. I liked his segments. Um, and then uh, I didn't realize at the time that I was completely ignoring the fact that, that uh, you know, WWE was walking all over the guy. I mean, he was a great talent and he had amazing segments. He was always over with the fans, but he was losing match after match. And like the storylines were kind of ridiculous. He was being putting into, I mean, he was being funny yeah. in them and he was doing a great job with them, but the storylines storylines themselves were pretty much shit. Um, so when he first left the WWE, I was actually like pretty upset because I liked watching him. He was one of the wrestlers I liked uh, tuning into. And I thought when he left that I wouldn't really uh, have that, have that much. I wanted to watch still. But, um, you know, he went on to, to the New Japan and then to AEW, ultimately, where he re resides now. And honestly, like, uh, I'm loving it. I think he made the right choice. Uh, I'm happy seeing him wrestling again. I'm happy seeing him wearing a strap. I think the guy is one of the harder workers out there today. Um, yeah, for you know, sure. Of the guys we watch, uh, it's not to say guys uh, in the indie scenes are working just as hard. But uh, of the guys we watch, I think Moxley's working really damn hard, and I'm really happy to see what's going on with him. And, and that match was really, really cool. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see him uh, put on more matches in AEW, and hopefully we cover some of those here because uh, I like watching them, and I would really like discussing more with you guys, especially, like, if we get to see one of the more technical matches with him so we can kind of contrast and compare to this match, which wasn't that technical but still very entertaining. Now, maybe next time we watch a more technical match with John Moxley and see if it's just as entertaining or not. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's a wide array of matches that we can kind of take you through with him. And I agree with everything you said. Like, it's it was weird at first knowing he was going to leave WWE and then seeing AEW start and the fact that he not only showed up there but in Japan too. It's like, okay, this guy didn't just leave because he didn't feel like working anymore. This guy left because he wanted his own creative input into things and he wanted to be able to do what he wants. So it's like, it's awesome to see him. He's holding the US title for New Japan and he's holding the main title for AEW. So... Oh. Just 
yeah, seeing the work he's putting in and seeing his ability to adapt. I'm, I'm excited to kind of look through some of his other matches too. And we saw a hard hitting one now. Maybe we can see a, a more technical one. Maybe we can see a more spot filled one because there's a lot of matches from when I didn't watch. Like there's a there's a match really well regarded between the Shield and the Wyatt family, a three on three match, and I haven't seen it. And it's known as one of the better tag matches ever. I'd like to see that. Um, we've seen a lot of his stuff in AEW already, but you know, there's other New Japan matches he's had that I want to show you. So the, I don't know. The sky's the limit. There's uh, there's still a lot on our plate that we want to watch. And it's overwhelming sometimes, but that's why we started this podcast, this show, to be able to slowly work our way through our long list of matches that we want to watch. Guys, the limit spaces the place that we'll be watching every single time. Yeah, do the thing. (laughs) That was perfect. I think we will end episode zero there. So we will see you guys next time. Maybe Kate Concrete or whatever his name is shows up next time. Uh, you know what? Uh, Baby Asphalt needs to show up because I need someone to disagree with me because we've been agreeing for like three hours and I need somebody to once look at the camera and be like, no. We and now some- the fucking idiot and then he's not allowed on anymore and then we'll just move on. We need some heat. That's where the money is. <laughs> We're signing off for now. This is the List Podcast and we will see you next time. See you guys.